You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris, and I'm just doing a quick intro for my interview with Dr. Greg Rasmussen. It's a fascinating interview. I highly recommend you listen to this thing all the way through. I was captivated for well over an hour uh, just listening to, to Greg or Dr. Rasmussen talk about his work with the African painted dogs. I am doing an intro because we just, he just, as soon as we got connected, he's in Zimbabwe out in the field. He just started talking and I just pressed record. I was like, I don't have time to do all this, this intro stuff. So just doing a quick intro for him. Fascinating interview, real treat. I'm calling him the Jane Goodall of African painted dogs. It just, you know, tickled me pink to, to be able to speak to him. And hopefully one day I can get out there in Zimbabwe and shake this this person's hand because people like like Greg and of course Jane Goodall and and some of the leaders out there in the world doing the work in the field have dedicated their lives to do this work and Greg's been out there studying these animals and is the reason that they're they're surviving and, and starting to thrive once again. Uh, it's, it's a story we're going to keep telling about the African painted dog. I think it's. It's an important one. Uh, Greg's got some work coming up in a few weeks that we're going to highlight, you know, in some of our other podcast episodes. Towards the end of this interview, he talks about his his next project, and that's really uh, roadkill is is a big problem with painted dogs, and he needs some help, financial help, to uh, run this experiment on trying to slow people down on these roads through the Zambezi uh, River Delta there in Zimbabwe, and then obviously Mozambique. So enjoy the interview, a fascinating look at his work with the African Painted Dogs. Be sure to you know, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Let us know what you think of this interview and share it with a friend. I mean, this is one of the top conservation experts in the world, so, so enjoy. And then as soon as you give us a thumbs up, we'll go live with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we bummed out last time. This, this, of course, is manic field season. Um, I'm, I'm happily, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh my God, I've got to do field work. Oh no, you know. <laughs> you poor guy. And my poor me. I mean, I love field work. It's, <laughs> it's my, my whole raison d'être, you know, is to do serious field work, you know, and, 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 um, but it's just crazy. I mean, I, I've, I've, you know, I, I came back last week after 10 days in the field and and I know, poor me, I had to sleep under the stars every night for ten days. And I was, you know, really, but someone's got to do it, you know. And 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 I came back, and I, I just said to myself, I'd love to go out for another ten days, you know. But I've got to spend like three or four days sending my team out as well, because they they're always with me, you know, and clearing decks. And so you're one of the deck clearers. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. We we appreciate it and. I'm going to leave that in, by the way, and I'm just going to keep, go with it. Mm-hmm. So for the listeners, I'm joined with Dr. Greg Rasmussen. This is an interview we've been chasing down for quite a while. He is actually out in the field in Zimbabwe doing African painted dog research. 
so welcome, Dr. Rasmussen. <laughs> I'm great. So great to meet you, finally. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Uh, it's just so amazing to be able to talk to you while you uh, you're taking a break from your field research, which we just heard. And you know, we're going to spend the next hour talking about these incredible, incredible animals. Like just blown away, blown away by them. I think I think incredible is the wrong word actually, because because. <laughs> Are kind of amazing, and that's why I'm still working with them. You know, 32 years later, you know, when I when I first, I mean, I'm talking 30, 1987, whatever that is. You do the math. <laughs> I I I saw my first painted dog, and I'm like, okay, and then I came from a background of working with reptiles, you know, so it was like, and someone had asked me like, well. Great, I need someone to help work with painting the dog, or wild dog as they were called in those days, which is another whole kind of dimension. And um, and I was like, you got the wrong person. I work with reptiles, you know, kind of this kind of stubborn kind of, I work with reptiles and I'm not going to be deviated. And that's actually a good trait, you know, in conservation work. You know, you, you don't deviate. And, um, and I said, and he said, no, but you're a biologist and you come recommended. You work with the museum and you've got fieldwork experience. And you're, you know, and I'm like, yeah, 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 that's me. I said, but I don't work with painted dogs. I work with reptiles. He said, but you're a biologist. You can work with anything. And this was a hell of a nice guy called Dr. Josh Ginsberg. And then he set up a project all those years ago. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll help you for six months. I said, because I've got another reptile project coming up in six months. And, you know, but, you know, it's nice to do something else. And, you know, I got into the field because, yeah, basically I am a cut and dyed, you know, I, I'm a hands-on, get your, get your boots dirty field biologist, you know. And, and that, to me, is actually, no offense to anybody else, is what makes the difference between good conservation and kind of mediocre, you know, is when you really get in there and you get to know the problem. And I, I said to this guy, I said, oh, I'll help you for six months. And in 1987, early 1988, I saw my first painted dog and I'm like, okay, you're not a reptile, but you're interesting. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, as a biologist, you know, you're interesting. And then, and then, and then, and then I remember one of my very first experiences with painted dogs, and it's like, because I swear these dogs, they they were kind of like, you're our candidate, you know, you, we're gonna we're gonna choose you to be our champion, and I had no choice in the matter, you know, because very early on in the game, because um, you know, being a field biologist to me is being in the field, you know, not sitting in an office watching a computer. I have to do that sometimes, and I resent it, but I know it's important. And um, I used to sleep, spend about 28 days a month working with dogs, packs of dogs, and then I spend two or three months cleaning up, uh, two or three days cleaning up, sorry, uh, you know, and, and um, it used to take me half a day just to get my body clean, you know, because I was covered in God knows what, you know. And, 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 and I... I um, was following this pack of dogs doing my one of my kind of 28 day follows and in those days in in, in science we have something we call a i'll, I'll share with the viewers like a, a latitudinal study where you take one pack and you study it intensively 
You know, if it farts, you record it. You know, no, excuse the French, but you know. No, 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 no. I think that's acceptable. Anyway, yes, um, you, yes, can yes, edit, yes. you can edit it out if you like, but you know. And 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 anyway, and and the 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 that's a latitudinal study, and then you look to see later on in the study, and so that means that in that first, what I call kind of honeymoon period with the species, you get very intimate. And and I was following this pack of dogs. They were called the Shambari pack, which was a local name for the friendly ones. And and because they became friends to me, and I called them the Shambaris. And and the Shambari pack, um, suddenly in the following them every day for twenty eight days, I hear this huge interaction in the bush. One had a radio collar, and I hear that clearly a lion and dogs are having a punch up. And I, I get in there, and I'm kind of a bit protective, you know, like, oh, my God, the dogs are dead. And sure enough, I get in there, and, you know, and there's a dog lying on the ground. His name was Olna, because the old dogs have names. And he, and Olna um, had clearly been badly mauled by this lion. And, and I'm like, oh, God, man. Oh, he's going to die. Oh, no. And and anyway, and he's endangered species, and already they've kind of got under my skin, and and so I managed to get a vet to the scene, which is like an obscene luck because I was in the middle of nowhere, but I worked right. right. And, and I get a vet to the scene, and he is just okay. We've got to remember this is like thirty something years ago, and he looked at the dog and he just said, "Why did you bother calling me?" You know, this dog is this dog is a lost cause. And I'm like, oh, no. But you're a vet. You know, you're going to do something. And he said, it's nature. And then I'm like, no, he's going to die. <laughs> and and but what, what was what was kind of interesting was that there, there, there was the there was the kind of ethical questions were going down in my head. Well, you know, what is nature anymore? Because we're all aware that we we have clearly messed up our planet, you know. And, 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 you know, and, and nature isn't quite the same, you know, and we, 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 we change the game between lions and species and everything. Anyway, and, and then I'm called to got the other moral dilemma. I'm like, this is an endangered species, you know, shouldn't we be helping an endangered species that we ourselves have been responsible for making go extinct because we shot so many like the wolf, you know, you know, so, so shouldn't we have some kind of moral obligation? Like, I wiped you out, and oh, we're going to help you a little bit to help you get back. You know. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't agree with the vet, but the vet had made his decision, and I'd kind of called the guy, and I uh, came back the next morning, looked at the site, and hoped that there was a dog alive or something. And clearly, there was no dog, and there were just drag marks of a dog, and I assumed that hyenas had come in in the night. So I continued to follow what was a pack of 11, now was a pack of 10. And I started to notice strange movements from one of the dogs. And the dog's name was Circus. He's, he's a special dog in my heart. And, and Circus would disappear. And I'm like, where are you going, guy? And then one day, but Circus didn't have a collar. But one day we followed him. And on foot. And we found out that Circus was going to visit his brother, who wasn't dead. And they dragged him away into a thicket of bushes, 
and they and circus every day was going back to his brother cleaning his wounds up and feeding him wow. now this went on for, this went on for three months and three months later Olner finally stood up and walked away and joined the pack again and I'm like my god <laughs> wow okay dogs that's it I'm your advocate. You've got me. Yes. Just, just, just tell me what to do. <laughs> I'll do my best. Okay, I think the interview's over. I, that is, that's just incredible. Yeah, and it just kind of blew me away. And then the more I started to work with the dogs, I'm like, holy crap, as they say in the states, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like. And then I started to see, you know, how they function as a species. And, you know, and okay, not to be kind of philanthropic about this, but we as humans could learn a hell of a lot from painted dogs. I think so. Yeah, I agree. You know, they, agree. They're, they're the only species. And then I started to see, hold on a minute, they never fight. There's no species. Well, there's no species alive that isn't arguing and squabbling and fighting. No, they don't. Yeah, they've got this leadership thing it's just mm-hmm. off to a T. It's perfect, and 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 you know, basically the alphas, as we call them. We don't. I don't call them. We don't call them the dominants because they're not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna beat up on you. You know, Chris. If you don't do as you're told, I'm gonna thump you, or vice versa. You know, depending. You know, <laughs> yes. it's like no. You know, when they're young, they're watching the emerging alpha, who is the smartest, the brightest, the what we would call a true leader, which as we all know in this world today, there are very few. <laughs> very, 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 very few. You know, my <laughs> God, if we could have leaders, true leaders in this world, we'd be much better off, you know. You know, um, and, 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 and not posturers, you know. And, and, and I started to look at this as a species, and then you look at their, their kind of the etiquette and how every dog... You know, not only, you know, it's like the three musketeers in amazing, you know, one for all and all for one. And, and, you know, and they like every day they greet each other. And that greeting is like not just I don't I don't get up and go, hi, all, you know, it's like, hello, you know, hello, hello, Chris. Hello, Fred. Hello, Martha. (laughs) You know, hello, Elsie. Because I'm reinforcing those bonds. And when we think about it as humans, you know, if we were to, like, good morning, Chris, how are you? I care about you, you know? When I screw up later in the day, which I'm guaranteed to do, because I'm just a human being, you know, you might say, well, it's all right, Greg. <laughs> you're, you're forgiven. You know? and, 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 and the dogs just blew me away. And yet, of course, when I started... Um, you know, they they were a species that was persecuted badly, like the wolf in the states. Um, when I started in Zimbabwe, if we were lucky, there was two hundred and fifty dogs in the whole country. Um, they were slaughtered by ranchers right, right. As, as putative cattle killers. Um, you know, and all those, you know, the same way. And of course, as a scientist, and and uh, and and. I don't think people often understand, you know, what what scientists get up to. And in the same way, I don't understand when a mechanic explains to me about my car. You know, he might just as well be talking Japanese or something, you know. 
and I'm not, and, I, and I'm not Japanese, you know. Um, and, uh, and 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 it's like straight over my head. But as a scientist, you know, I mean, as a scientist, you know, a good conservation biologist, the, the the name of the game is to collect the right data to understand the problem and then solve it. You know, mm-hmm. using those data, and that that to me is is very close to my heart. We've got a, a similar thing going on at the moment, which I'll probably sh- get a chance to share with you. But in those days, it was the ranchers. Dogs are killing my cows. Right. Well, that's fine. I can accept what you say, that the dogs are killing your cows, and I'm going to solve the problem. Or I can find out, are dogs killing your cows? <laughs> right. How many cows are being killed by the dogs? What is the level of damage? Uh, how is that relevant to everything else? Well, so, you know, and and, 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 and I embarked on a, on a study in the farmlands where the dogs were and they'd moved in and the rods we're going to kill them like no if i can help it (laughs) and they were like and they were like no 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 they were like um they're killing our cows well they're going to and i'm saying okay well they're not killing your cows anyway it turned out that i said look let's make a deal here i said let me study them for three years and let me get the data oh they're going to kill our cows i said if it turns out that the data shows that they are you know slaughtering your cows and causing you huge we'll go back to the drawing board but in the meantime let's have a three-year moratorium and then after that i promise i'll move the whole pack um the fact is in those days i hadn't got a clue how to move a whole pack but uh, you know (laughs) just make promises (laughs) well no i figured i got three years to work it out you know Right, right. I figured it wasn't impossible. You just got to be pretty creative. And, and and three years later, with helicopters and nets and practicing on dogs in Wangi National Park that were kind of easier targets than dogs in the farmland, um, we did actually succeed. But and and it turned out that the dogs were responsible for one point seven percent of the farmers' losses. <laughs> nothing of their losses yeah not of their herd of their losses and i'm like okay and i'm like so guys so 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 where was the problem you know these dogs are not yeah but we hate them i said why didn't you say that in the first place we're dealing with a completely different issue we're not dealing with what you're losing we're dealing with prejudice you know until we understand that we can't solve the problem and and it turned out we did solve the problem. We moved the dogs, and the ranchers kind of realised that I wasn't going to go away. Maybe, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And and eventually, I worked out how to move the dogs. And 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 it, but it was it was you know, and that's where kind of data. And it also gave me a figure that if compensation was ever going to be an issue, we had a figure: one point seven percent of your losses. That's it. That's what we were going to pay if, if it came to, and that's where you know where data were were, were so important. And, and yeah, those dogs. I mean, they they the dogs in the farmland were my god. These were the you know you hear Wiley Coyote in the Roadrunner that program in the cartoon. Well, I am a Wiley Coyote because 
those dogs <laughs> always, you know, basically made a Mickey of me, you know. <laughs> as soon as I thought I was on top of the game, they'd be like, beep, beep, gone, you know. God. If I could just ask real quick, you said they were down to 250. What's their estimated population today in Zimbabwe? Um, somewhere around 750, 800. Gee, still so low. Oh, so low. No, it's low, but you know, it's, it's, and it takes time. And we, you know, and, and we've had some knocks. I mean, the African population is probably no more than 4,000. That's true. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, it, it, on, when we, where we really have data to say, you know, within reasonable estimates, this is the number. Um, and the thing in Zimbabwe, though, is, is, is here's a rub. You know, many years of work and research. When I started, it painted dogs left Wangi National Park. The second their tracks were sighted, the ranchers were on their case. And then within two weeks, they were dead. That was, you know... I mean, the analogy is like recently, you know, when the ban was lifted on hunting wolves in Yellowstone, how many wolves were slaughtered very quickly? It's a lot. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah. And, 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 well, now in Zimbabwe, and though I say it myself, it's the only country where absolutely there are no dogs shot. There is no direct persecution. <laughs> They've got other problems, which I'll, I'll share with you that we're dealing with at the moment. And we're dealing with it in exactly the same way as I dealt with the ranchers, you know, bit by bit. Let's get the data. Let's solve them. Let's understand the problem. Let's deal with it. But, you know, deal with it based on fact. But, I mean, I started in, as I said, in 1987 and started to become effective in the farmlands, 88, 89. And... Um, in 2000, and okay, you might say 12 years later, that's a long time, the last painted dog in Zimbabwe was shot. Now, it took 12, 13 years, but we did we did it. Right. You know, and it... Yeah, that's awesome. That's you know, amazing. That's amazing. And it's the only country that's ever happened, and probably for one of the few species that's ever happened, you know. We nailed it for a whole country that no dogs were shot. And it was a combination of proving to the ranchers that they're not costing you financial loss. And and people are not going to support you if you say, oh, they're, you know, they're, they're killing all my cows, because everyone knows the facts now. And they know it's fact. Mm -hmm. They know that you're just kind of like an insurance claim. Oh, my computer was worth $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> you know, meanwhile, it was two fifty bucks from you know some Acme hardware store. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, uh, and 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 you know, and they used to tell me that their cows that were going to be worth thousands and thousands of dollars. And I'm like, as a calf, how do you know that calf's going to become a ten thousand dollar prize right. bull? You know, it's probably right, going to be right, dog right. meat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, or hamburger. Yeah, exactly. You know, no, well, they're, they're horses if you're in England, you know, but I'm just, there was a scenario some years ago when everyone thought they were eating hamburgers and they were horse meat, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, 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 you know, the, the, and things have changed, you know, for the painted dog, and, and, and it's, 
you know, in spite of the fact that I left my good old reptiles to become a champion for painted dogs, it's no surprises. It's a dance move I've never ever regretted. And and you know, like at the moment, you know, we we've and as, as you move on through the years, you know, you solve one problem, conservation, and this is why it's is is dynamic. You know, this is why in in, in conservation you. You can't say, oh, I've solved the problem. I can move on and go to sleep and retire because you no. can't. Nope. You know, because nope. the, the nope. game nope. the game is always changing. You know, I remember when I solved the farm issues, I thought, damn it, <laughs> I can relax. No. <laughs> Some other ugly little bug comes up, you know, and whether it's genetic diversity or um, or whatever. And, and, and um and also, of course, the one thing about the dogs is, is was in the early days was image, mm-hmm. and and you know the the the. I went into the when I started working with the dogs, they were then called wild dog, that was their sort of common name, and then I I started to you know as a scientist dig into, well, why are they called wild dogs? Where did that name come from? You know. And it turns out, and this was really bizarre, it turns out that they were never originally called wild dogs at all. They were called uh, painted hunting dog, they were called painted dog, they were called tricolored dog, they were called painted lycaon, which is the, what they really probably should be called, but that's another story. And, and, and the name wild dog was deliberately given to them by ranchers, by people who hated them, to justify their slaughter. Wow, wow. So we're talking like 120 years ago, people were aware that marketing... Yeah. Yeah, So it's a a bit like, it's a bit like, you know, if I were to look at a guy and say he's a paedophile, whether he was or whether he wasn't, you know, in the best English language, he's screwed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I was just gonna say, like, do you think? I, I don't want to word this. Do you think public image of the of the painted dogs in the last five ten years has changed? Oh yeah, horrendously, amazingly. Oh no, no, it's 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 gone through the roof, and thank God for that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean. And the name, well, the name Wild Dog was was deliberately given by the ranchers to justify their slaughter. And all those, the bounty campaigns that were put on them were all, well, we can't say go and slaughter painted dogs, you know, go slaughter wild dogs. Yeah, it sounds much better. Right. And, um, and the, no, the and, and really and truthfully, and in fact, in the early days, um, and this is no offense to Australians because I actually like Australians. <laughs> I, I rub them all the time. I love them too. I was just there two weeks ago. I, I, I love their frankness, you know. And 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 <laughs> Aussies have got a, a, a kind of thing that I appreciate and I understand. And I used to be in Wangi National Park, and I'm talking, you know, 1987, 1988, 1989. And on the side of my vehicle, I used to have wangi wild dog research because that's what they were called so it's, that was on the side of my vehicle and i get these aussies coming out you know and i 
Uh, I love Aussies for the fact that they're good at pulling your tail, but I also love Aussies because when you pull the tail back, they don't complain, you see. Oh, yeah, they, they give it right back to you. You know, you can give it to them and they can give it back to you, you know, and it's fine, sure. you know. And I always think that's great in any kind of relationship, you know. <laughs> give, give. Mm-hmm. And, and they used to come and they say genuinely, like, good day, mate. I see my bill. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you doing feral dog control? And I'd be like, no. I'm not conserving feral dogs. And of course, and then when I, when I looked up, and I thought they were pulling my tail, but then I looked up that if you're an Australian, a wild dog is a feral dog to be shot on sight. Mm-hmm. And they thought that maybe in Narangi National Park there were, you know, feral dogs, and I was part of the feral dog control team. <laughs> With a, with a hidden gun in there going to shoot bloody painted dogs you know and I'm like this name's got to change you know <laughs> this has got to change yeah. uh, and that was the beginning of the birth of the name painted dog which has stuck and thank god it has because it, it's made a huge difference and in fact in even yeah. you know some years later I I met a a group of marketing experts and the first thing they said, well, at least you're not calling it a wild dog, because if you did, you wouldn't, you know, from a marketing perspective, it wasn't going to cut any ice. You weren't going to win, you know. And I'm like, well, good. I'm just, at least experts on the knowledge of marketing are, are leading me in the right direction and helping me understand that I'm barking up the right trees, literally. Right, right. Well, I was just going to say real quick, I think it was Planet Earth. It was like a decade ago. And they had that incredible sequence of the dogs hunting. And I remember that so vividly. So amazing. That I think it just it made a huge impact on me and the, the many millions that watched that sequence. What was hilarious about that, though, is that, is that you know, they still... Never, ever, with all with their, all their helicopters and their, um, you know, they had these cameras on gimbals coming from the helicopters. They still never filmed the kill. They got close, but what? But you're right. The one thing that blew me away and always does blow me away is that how these dogs organise. And to this to this day, we still have no idea about like the silent communication um we thought it might be ultrasound but we're still not sure what's going on there but they managed to communicate like a football team with a bunch of blindfolds on them you know (laughs) yeah they could still play football with an impala you know it's like and (laughs) and 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 it's incredible you know that that because their organization and that's something that really started to blow me away because you know, apart from, you know, the, the, you know, my dear friend Olna, who was looked after by circus, and, and, and I thought, I wondered whether that was a one-off thing, and were other <laughs> packs going to exhibit that, and then I realized, as I studied later and learned more and more packs, I realized that what dogs are so good at is coordination and organization, and, 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 what we call in science, but it makes sense, is division of labor. You know, if, if you, Chris, are a good organizer on my team, you will be given the organizational job, you know. If I, Greg, am good at the hunter, I will get the hunting job, you know. 
If another dog, and I always remember one particular dog who 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 stood out, not because of his, like, excellence, but um, I called him Magellan. And, and dear old Magellan was, you know, in, in a pack, you can imagine we have alphas, betas, and gammas. And alphas, obviously, are the leaders, the ones born to be leaders. The betas are, like, main support team. And they'll beat us if an alpha gets badly injured. They'll, you know, kick in and take over for a while and then say, here we are, you know, brother. I had a case once where an alpha was so badly snared he couldn't even move. And and, he was, and, and, and the beta just took over the run, role of the running the pack, hunting. And as soon as the alpha was better, and he was better because basically I darted him, got the snare off, and he became better. And the beta said... Oh, here we are, brother. You know, be alpha again. We need you. You know, as alpha. You know, where where is society? Where is society? Would that happen? You know? Oh, I'm a deposed. I know. I know. You know, I'm kidding. You know, I'm kidding. Oh, good. You're down, Greg. Yay! <laughs> oh, good. I'm gonna I'm gonna take over, and I'm not handing back the shoe. You know, and and right, right. and 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 so that's when I started to realise. You know, but anyway, we had our dear friend Magellan. And Magellan wasn't an alpha, and he wasn't a beta. He was a gamma. And the gammas are, are, are uh, kind of, I've got a clue what to do, but if you tell me what to do, I'm going to do it to my best of my ability. And they're great support, you know, for a pack. You know, they're, they're kind of, and, we, and, we, and when we think about that in any human society, we also need those individuals. And the nice thing about it in painted dog society is that the gamma isn't treated in any like um, like derogatory way. It's not like oh you're the run to the list. <laughs> you he is like you're a part of the team and you get exactly the same treatment as everybody else. You know we share the food with you equitably. So this particular dog, Magellan, and I called him Magellan. And you might think, well, of course, if you think about Magellan, you think about the great explorer and, and everything else. And Well, I called him Magellan um, because, um, with my own twisted humor, Magellan Corporation in those days used to make GPS units. And they had donated us two GPS units, and they didn't work. And Magellan was always lost on every single hunt. Always. He never got a clue where he was, and uh, and and he, the pack would be waiting. They'd eaten something, and Magellan. They'd all be well. Oh, where's Magellan? Where's Magellan? You know, you could write a blooming song about him. You know, <laughs> uh, and Magellan would arrive. Oh, 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 found you! And then they'd be like, oh, shh. oh my goodness! Oh, here we go again. It's Magellan, and 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 Magellan, and and I used to kind of look at the dogs and think. Why do you put up with Magellan? You know, <laughs> you know. He, in theory, in theory, he has no value to the collective advantage of the pack. But I was naive in those days, you know. And then when I started to analyze the data and look at the role of every individual that could physically carry um, twenty pounds or ten kilos of meat back to the den, he had a value. You know, because you know. To bring back another, you know, you kill a kudu that weighs 200 pounds 
and Magellan will happily help by filling his stomach and he'll go back to the den and and, and regurgitate and, and then uh, and then you know the pack <clears throat> when they've got the den you know uh, painted dogs always try and hope to leave babysitters and and a, and a babysitter well there's babysitting and babysitting you know and the pack identifies every time they go out by doing like a 360 degrees kind of circuit of the den they identify whether it's safe to go or how safe it is to go you know what's the threat and most of the time it's like a fire risk you know it's green there's no lions around there's no hyenas around so what do you do you don't need to leave a high-ranking individual and what do you leave who do you leave behind Magellan because <laughs> you can't get you know, be like you can't get lost you know but if the threat if the threat level was high like I remember one time I I was close to what we call the they have a den and then they have what we call caching from cachet to you know, the French to hide and then after 12 weeks they leave the den which is the hole in the ground and then every day they move the pups to a like a hiding place and and they were at a cache site and um and uh, like geocaching really isn't it and and they were at a cache site but only for their pups and no no kind of garmin secret society spot you know and and um they they i heard myself a lion i'm like oh this is dangerous and I'm like, what are the pack going to do now? Because Magellan was there. And it was like complete role reversal. Magellan joined the pack hunting. And the alpha male was now, well, I'm staying behind. Because this is serious. It takes, you know, this is like a, a red fire risk. <laughs> and if anything goes wrong, I'm going to deal with it. We can't leave Magellan. <laughs> No, you know, no. And it's just so organized. You know, it was just like, if there was any dog in the pack that should have stayed behind, it was the alpha male. And who does stay behind the alpha male? The, the level of intelligence just blows me away. Yeah, and it blows me away as well, yeah. In fact, you know, and the number of times when I've been, you know, working with the dogs and... and, and particularly when I've been trying to plan different captures, you know, in theory for their own well-being, you know, in the farmland, you know, where I wish I was Dr. Doolittle, I could say, guys, let's have a chat, you know. Just jump, yeah, in, I know, I know. Just jump in the back of my truck, you know, and I'll, I'll scoot you away without any anesthesia. And, of course, it never happens, you know. And they're, they're ducking so and diving and avoiding me, you know. Can I just ask, you know, your research there in Zimbabwe, is it reaching across borders, you know, down in South Africa? I just read a story yesterday about a pack that killed three cows in Kenya. So are you able to push that throughout Africa? Well, we are. We are. I mean, you know, I mean, interestingly and factually, I mean, a lot of, you know, like my early research, you know, was... You know, I mean, one of the first things in my early research on the farmland was like, I came up with this simple observation that that when the dogs were navigating the farmlands, 
you know you can imagine you've got they've got farmlands you've got fence lines and then I'd know when we were because we were foot tracking those dogs all the time and we didn't have a collar on um, they were too smart for that and in fact one of my one of my trackers I, I was kind of f hiring and firing trackers because I was like oh you're clearly no good as a tracker because we can't find the dogs you know uh, yeah. and, 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 and one of the trackers you know uh, finally brought me to to kind of I don't know a, a state of yeah you're right my friend you know and, and and one evening we'd been tracking these dogs for two weeks and I was so impressed with this guy because he was fast and he was like you know it was like to him it was like they're there they're there, they're there let's go let's go let's go let's go and we were walking our backsides off which was brilliant and then one evening he slumped down and he sat by the fire as we ate our, our evening food you know and he just said we've got a problem and I'm like yeah and sometimes you know I can be a bit harsh and I'm like what do you mean we've got a problem you know we, we can solve problems you know <laughs> And I, I'm thinking maybe he's going to say there's not enough food or you know, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Probably wasn't very rational, you know. And he said, these dogs, he said, they're as clever as a leopard. And I'm like, so? And he said, there's 14 of them and they're working as a team. We have a problem. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. We've got a problem. <laughs> We've got a big problem, you know, and 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 in fact, and uh, that that was another of my, what I call my 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 famous historical dogs that if I'm ever have the time or the wherewithal to write a, a book or a shadow writer, you know, that dog was named Bigfoot, and he was he was named Bigfoot for a good reason because all we ever saw for three years was his footprint. We never ever saw the individual. He was like this, like like Bigfoot, you know. <laughs> and, and he had big and and he had big feet as well. Just to kind of you know add to it, he had the biggest feet of any painted dog I'd ever seen. Uh, and I still to this day, I, I don't think we'll ever match his feet with any other dog that I that I work with. And um, you know, and Bigfoot was again, you know, we wrote I wrote a scientific paper. And I didn't specifically say, oh, I was studying Bigfoot, because you don't write that in science. But the paper was about his pack and how they changed their whole behavior and went nocturnal. Because they knew that they were in farmland. And they, they balanced, their, balanced their time so carefully that it meant that they minimized their interaction, potential interaction with humans. And they hunted every possible, the second the moon even gave a glimmer of light, they'd be out there going, we're hunting. We can't see very well, but it's better than getting shot. <laughs> right, right. And it was just... Like the, again, the intelligence. Yeah, it was organized. It was all the organization. It wasn't, and it wasn't, you know, it was an organization that was, you know, it wasn't like, oh, this is part of evolutionary history. This is... This is like worked out. No, this is like, you know, humans are around from, you know, first from sunrise until sunset. And if we can avoid the sunrise hours by utilizing the moonlight hours, 
We're not as successful hunting, but we don't get shot. And it was those sort of things that it was like, dogs, you've got me for life. You know, you're, you're just, yeah. you're just too. And then even when I, you know, started later on to look at the, the hunting data and how they, you know, I, I, I know, cause, cause obviously painted dogs are known, are known for having this extreme during what we call a hunt period was the hunt period is from the time you wake up until the time you go to sleep. So like in a dog's case, it might be from five in the morning to nine in the morning. That's a hunt period. And, and how incredibly successful they are. Um, or also when they, when they start a chase, a proper chase, how successful they are. And then, and part of it is because they're so organized as a team. And part of it is because they make exceptionally good decisions. You know, they, they won't just, you know, like a wild card. Oh, oh, but let's charge, chase that impala that's, you know, 500 yards away. Well, you know, do your maths, mate. You know, the, the, the energy expended running 500 meters is, is going to cost you badly. <laughs> Right, and then right, you know the right, highness right. and the the parlor's got a five hundred meter head start, and when you when you analyze the data, it's like the decisions they're making are like spot on, and they choose the <sighs> size of prey animal. You know, like if there's ten of us, we'll go for a prey animal that size because we we can't eat any more than that. Even though two animals, and uh, here's an urban myth. You see, people think well if there's 10 dogs they can kill bigger animals two dogs can kill the biggest animal they will knock down which is a kudu bull in 60 seconds less than 60 seconds it's down and and so it's nothing to do with it's just and okay well painted dogs have got a little trick up their sleeve that you know as humans we always think that we've got tricks up our sleeves that no one else knows you know <laughs> Um, and yeah, no, I know. you know, and yet we realize if, we, if we're actually smart enough, we'll say, well, actually nature, <laughs> nature's been doing that for 10,000 years. <laughs> uh, right, 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 right. And, 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 you know, human beings, when they're controlling horses or bulls, they, they have, a, um, uh, what they think is a trick that they use called the twitch where they hold it by the nose. And, you know, that's why bulls often have a, you know, ring in their nose. And and, uh, and it turns out that painted dogs have been using that probably for, you know, some million, few million years. And and when they want to immobilize a really big animal, they bite it on the nose. And and you might say, well, what does that do? And, and interestingly, and this again is where I, 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 I do love science and research because it helps to us to understand what's going on. And there was a Dutch vet who, who was studying what humans call the twitch hold on, on horses and bulls. And um, the, he's, he did all the, you know, obviously, because they were trying to see, was it a welfare issue? Which is great, you know, right, right. that we throw science at it. Is it welfare? And it turns out that, that there's a nerve called the trigeminal nerve that the second you, like, hit the nose... Um, the trigeminal nerve gets disturbed and the body releases endorphins, which are like a morphine derivative. And in fact, you know, you're a guy, you might remember, you know, as kids, 
Have you ever, do you ever remember when someone punches you on the nose or you daftly run into a door and smack yourself on the nose? Oh, yeah. You almost feel oh, yeah. like, you, you feel stunned, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You feel like, oh. And it, it, because what it is is you've, your cranial nerve is going, my God, there's an attack. <laughs> <laughs> my face. My face, and, uh, and, it, and, it, and it's crazy. And it's far, you know, far worse than if you know a kid smacks you somewhere else. But if it hits you right on the nose, <laughs> it's damn sore, you know. And you're standing, you're almost like, oh. And and the dogs are doing this to their prey animals, you know. And, and it's like, but only large ones, you know. And 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 that's how they immobilize a large kudu bull. And then this this Dutch vet, you know, the scientific paper. The title was is the twitch. Um, a pain response or clinical acupuncture, and and his <clears throat> his kind of res- result was that it was clinical acupuncture, and and that's that's really you know, and, and you, you know, you just look at these guys and you think, oh my god, it's just so damn organized, you know. It is, it is. So, can you just uh, tell me what's it look like right now, for, from your opinion? I mean, obviously, one of the top world experts on painted dogs. What's their future look like 10 years, 20 years, 50 years down the road? Many of the problems that existed, as I already said, when I started, don't exist anymore. Like ranchers shooting the hell out of them, you know, certainly in Zimbabwe. Um, the, the, the challenges are, are the modern world encroachment um, and habitat loss. Um, and, and habitat loss is coming from many, many different directions and, and encroach, human encroachment. I mean, in fact, I've got two major thrusts at the moment that are absolutely, one very directly and one indirectly crippling painted dogs in Zimbabwe. And, and they're not insoluble, but they're going to take work, data, and like everything else, money, you know. And, and one of the, one of the, <clears throat> one of the, one of the kind of the more obvious problems is like we have a, a major high highway, unrestricted highway through one of the national parks, a Zambezi National Park, um, going from Victoria Falls to Kazangula. It's a 70 kilometer section of road. And among, apart from other wildlife, it is absolutely slaughtering painted dogs. <laughs> and, 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 it's, 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 it's annihilating the dogs, but never mind that. I mean, you know, let's always remember that, you know, dogs are my flagship, but my mission is conservation. So that all the other, of course, I care about the elephants that get killed, the giraffe that get killed, the cobras that get killed, the birds that get killed, the hyenas, the leopards, the cheetahs, the jackals, you know, whatever that, that gets smacked by cars and people doing speeding. And, and, um, you know, roadkill for many species is a huge issue. And this is why, you know, every time one, you know, if anyone listening to this, if you ever, if there's anything you can ever do or join an appeal that says there's a road, a highway going through a national park, you know, add your, put your pennies worth in, you know, make that 100,000 signatures or whatever, you know, because... So that's one of our major problems at the moment. Now, okay, I can sit and we can cry in our soup and um, I've just started to work in the area where, you know, I can't be everywhere at the same time, but now I've last 
four or five years I've been in this area, I've realized the challenge for dogs just because of this one highway. And it's turned the situation around where packs don't live more than 18 months. Before critical pack members wiped out, hit by a car, and then of course all the pups die because they, you know, they're 18 months, they're not dependent, and the tape, you know, territory becomes vacant and it just becomes filled with random dogs and they try to form a new thing and then the same fate befalls them. And okay, at the moment, you know, for example, we are, me and my team, my team of students and my, my core team were, you know, we're collecting data on the traffic and then working with ministry and police and officials and getting permission for road signs that are going to go up. And eventually, you know, it's got to go to government to get gazetting for, um, you know, even new speed limits and fines that are in that are obscene, which will solve it, by the way. And, and you know, and, and our high speed traffic is is an insidious thing, you know, because people don't realise how damaging it is. Um, right, right, and um, and and. So of course human encroachment. The other the other problem we're having, which is we're just working on putting the data together. Well, we've got the data, and we're slowly is is even more insidious because um, it's coming from a quarter that we really wouldn't have expected, which is tourism. Yeah. And you might think, well, great, people love painted dogs, and everyone wants to go seeing painted dogs. And and um, when painted dogs have their dens in southern Africa, at least tour tour operators are f working their backsides off to find the dens and take their guests to see the dogs. Well, you might say, well, that's sort of innocuous, you know. But analysing the data, it is not, and it is ferociously bad, and and. Basically, me and my team of students over the last five, six years have worked on those data using camera traps at disturbed and non-disturbed dens. And it, what happens is, is that the dogs at the dens where tourists visit on a regular basis, of course, they play hide. They, 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 then not so visible. Obvious. Um, they move den more often and when they move den they lose puppies which is direct loss because of tourism um, the pups don't get fed properly because painted dogs have to have at least ten meal, 8 or 10 meals a day and they're only getting 5 and they're losing growth periods which then means that when they leave the den finally their leg lengths are 7% shorter than they should be Wow. It also means that we've now taken years and years worth of painstaking data that shows that those dogs that were at disturbed dens as puppies end up with legs that are 6% shorter than their wow. peers. Wow. Now, if, if your trade is a top athlete and you're in the 100-meter sprint, you're done. Yeah, yeah. And, and so though, those are the sort of issues. And then, you know, we tie that with habitat loss. I mean, however, you know, we, we can all, all sort of 
you know, look at the, the doom and gloom, you know, which, which, you know, life can be a bit tough and, you know, in the fire face of conservation. But, you know, there are, there are some lights. And in fact, there's those lights that, that keep me alive. And for example, in Southern Africa here, um, right where I am in the heart of Victoria Falls and, you know, there was an initiative that called CASA, K-A-Z-A, Kavango Zambezi Transfrontier um, Park Initiative, Transfrontier Initiative. And this is where five countries have got together and have started to look at the feasibility of, and well, not done more than that, have mapped out possible links and connections for wildlife over five countries. Now, that's a bold initiative. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that was just a little seed of an idea that someone had. Well, now it's a reality. And and so, you know, in spite of, you know, like road kills and irresponsible tourism, which I think, you know, can be sorted out. You know, the future for dogs. I mean, when I started, as I say, 30 plus years ago, when the millisecond dogs left Wangi National Park, they were shot. And, you know, there were posses out to kill them. Yeah. And they were done in two weeks. That was it. They were, you know, there the are... Well, those days are done. And whilst we have new challenges, you know... And, okay, global warming is a problem for dogs, by the way. And habitat loss, mm -hmm. you know, but, but you know... the. We are waking up to the fact that, 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 you know, habitat connectivity and, you know, there are a team, you know. Yes, I, you know, like to champion painted dogs. You know, but, you know, within CASA, we have the CASA Carnival Coalition where there are people championing hyenas and lions and, you know, and together we're working together as a team. And maybe we'll, you know, be like my tracker said. They're working as a team and we're done, you know. Would you say, you know, because, you know, ecotourism, that's one thing we, we talk a lot about and we're seeing negative impacts from that. So would you agree that it's going to take multiple strategies to around the planet? Yeah, if I could have my selfish druthers for painting dogs, you know. The first thing is, 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 is that what I, what I, and this isn't just a plea for funding, you know, but what people don't realize is how much money it costs to keep these animals alive. You know, how much is going on in the background to keep the animal that you dream of seeing when you go on safari alive is enormous. You know, I, I mean, this road traffic awareness campaign, I mean, we just got permission from Ministry of Roads. You know, the road signs alone are going to cost $20,000. Every bit of signage. But still, you know, the research itself has taken 12 months of data, you know, which is putting a team out there. Um, but, but also, you know, then there is, you know, there is the responsible tourism movement. You know, there is, you know... Do, do you know it's like people thinking thinking about you know well this egg that i've got is it properly free range yeah mm -hmm. and you know let, let me be that responsible person that will eat an egg that i know that the chicken's been running around 
You know, I've got right, 40, right, I've got right, forty right. chickens on twenty acres. You know, they're 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 free range. <laughs> yes, you know, where they live, but yeah. You know, uh, um, and they okay, they they live by the sword and die by the sword because they, you know, have to become organised and fight off the hawks and the this and the that and they, <laughs> you know, and, I, and again I have to make the habitat right so that they can hide somewhere to hide when the when the hawks come to <laughs> snitch one, you know. Um, but but seriously, you know the the, you know it is about, you know I mean tourism, responsible tourism, like any responsible activity, can be great. But you know we have to almost have a, like it has to be identified that, you know that tourism gets a green stamp of approval. But not from the tourism tourism industry, but from the conservation industry. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, so you know, and, and I, you know, painted dogs are in 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 a in a a hundred times better shape than they ever were when I started. And even though they've got a bunch of new problems, you know, when I started thirty years ago plus. You know, it was it was touch and go where the painted dogs became extinct in Zimbabwe, and the fact is is that that probability is is a, is a very low probability now. And years That's ago, amazing. it was like a ninety something percent probability they were going. And you know, some some safari guides, you know, I mean, they say it to me, and they say if you hadn't come along, we would never see painted dogs because they'd have become extinct. Because they, the, those individuals also knew the pressures the dogs were under, and we've right. a lot of those pressures have been removed. And human perception and prejudice is the driving percept, driving force of extinction. And in those days, perception and prejudice was ferocious. And we've, right, we've, we've right. that that has been nailed. That is gone. Well, so I've kept you about an hour, and I could listen to you for all day. But can you just kind of talk about the painted dog trust? Right, painted dog research trust. Okay, my my my, the whole mission is to, through research and education, you know, solve. Um, uh, survival issues for painted dogs. My my hope we're based near Victoria Falls. Um, we're building a whole facility that, and again, that, that at every level they were ecologically friendly, even down to my chickens and my dog. You know, they all have a pretty good life. You know, um, but bottom line is is the whole idea is to use science to collect data that will help conserve painted dogs and associated species in their habitats. But also, one of the most important mantras is, is to build for the future of conservation. And to me, that means investing in young biologists or young wannabe biologists and training. So here, I work on identifying you know, potential young Gregs or Greg S's that want to mm -hmm. carry, you know, the conservation baton into the into the next next fifty years or whatever they can put their time in, and provide the tools. Because if we don't have an army 
or at least you know a number of of well-equipped intellectually and 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 you know to be a field biologist you can be the smartest cookie in the world but if you can't do field work you know you ain't going to get down to the nuts and bolts of the problem you know so right you know right. so so my mission here is to bit by bit identify you know homegrown predominantly homegrown zimbabweans but they can be homegrown Africans. They can be anyone in the world, basically, that really wants to become a conservation biologist. And there's a hell of a lot to learn. You know, and it's not just about like being good with statistics yeah, and computers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about yeah, being yeah. being able to fix damn cars, <laughs> which are my bet noir. It's being able to understand the relationships and working with communities. You know, it's about being that all rounder. And, and and so Painted Dog Research Trust, we've got accommodation here where we hold training courses for any any bodies or organizations that are committed to conservation at a price they can afford. You know, provide a home for young biologists where, I mean, I'm almost selfishly solving for other students' problems that I face. You know, when I started my, my field work, I can never find anywhere to stay. It was close enough right. to a national park. So, you know, if a young student says, I've got this research project and I want to do it, you know, at the very least I can provide you with a bed and a desk. You know, there's actually, there's actually clean, you know, not not some hovel that, you know, and even though my standards are not high, that even I wouldn't live in, you know. And, 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 uh, and, and so we're building this, this, you know, the whole thing about Painted Dog Research Trust is to build an environment where young conservation biologists can thrive and ply their trade and where they're and, and training you know young Zimbabweans whether they're I mean and it doesn't have to be young necessarily university graduates you know in our local environment if I spot a young school kid that's like I don't want to look, we, conservation shouldn't you lose you you've got potential you know, let's take you on board. Let's see if we can groom you. You know, you know, particularly young women that 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 their families are going well. She's a girl. I'm sorry, that's the situation we have to face. It's a reality. And you know, at the moment, you know, I've got a young lady, um, Losvita, just to give you an example of the sort of you know um, support we like to give. And you know, one of the teachers came and said, "I've got this young lady." You know, she's not going to be able to do her final years of school because she's going to get pulled away to go and help the family. And I'm like, he said, but she's a bright young girl and she wants to go forward in conservation, like sciences. And, and she's, and I said, well, you know, let me see what I can do. And I, and so, you know, we spoke to her parents, her mother, and because father wasn't non, was non-existent, which is quite a common problem in Africa. And uh, in the world, I think. But anyway, and um, so, you know, I said, we'll sponsor her to do her final years at school. And if she passes that, we'll sponsor her to go to university. That's awesome. You know, and, and this young woman now, well, as I speak, she's out in the field collecting data in between her <laughs> university sabbatical. Tonight, tonight, she's sleeping out under the stars somewhere in the bush, and I'm dead proud of her. Oh, that's 
That's amazing. We, I know we have a lot of young listeners that, you know, around the world, not just in the United States, that we will definitely be pushing the, the Painted Dog Research Trust. And Deborah reached out to me uh, after we did our Painted Dog episode, told us to reach out to you. But she travels there and works with you, volunteers her time. and Yeah, she's, so, she's just been with us now. Yeah, yeah. I think you're going to get a, a flurry of applications here pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the whole thing is, is, is that, is that, you know, one of the, one of the my own little kind of mantras is that you know we will solve conservation issues. You know, you asked about the doom and gloom, and we, you know, we 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 can't you know start looking at everything from a negative lens because if we do, would would you know we basically we've admitted defeat. But bottom line is that one of my things, and I really believe in it, is that we can solve conservation issues and what we need is a critical mass of conservationists now that critical mass may not be 50% it may not be 90% it may be 30% it may be 20% but it's enough people that care and are empowered to make a difference and in fact in conservation anyone can make a difference you know picking up the damn plastic bag and stopping climate trouble happening you know don't be a greedy businessman, and you know, and 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 just to help with the con- to help with the planet, you know, and and um, I know, I know. you know, and ultimately, you know, the plight of the painted dog is as much a plight of the planet, and I think we all have to be aware of that. That that you know, the mess we've created is a big holy mess. You know, it is, it is, but I think it's changing. I think it's. I it guess. is, and it is changing. You know, I mean, it was yeah. like I was fundraising in England at the time when they, you know, when they had these um, climate change protests, and the protesters. You know, I met one of the protesters a couple of days later, who was a scientist, and she said, "We had banners up. You know, they that said we are not greenies, we are not radicals, we are scientists, and we are scared." Yeah. And that's to me, you know, said it all. You know, that 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 was you know part of the situation. But and that's where the critical mass comes in. You know, the more the world wakes up to the fact that we have to look in the mirror and say, We have messed up. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's time to act now. And that's one of the things. And that's right. why you know, we do need our youth, you know, to and that's why for me to invest in, 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 you know, young conservation biologists and empower them and get them, fast track them to get where they may get anyway without me, but it'll take them a hell of a lot longer. Right. right. Well, they, I, I'm very optimistic about this next generation coming. I think they're, they're very in tune. They're very green. It's just, uh, what are we going to leave them? They need someone to lead them. They need someone to, right. you know, get them on the right track help them you know i mean in the end we get there but you know we can get there if the right mentor is there i mean one of my you know i'm not just blowing my own trumpet. one of my my students said well she's now doing a master's at leeds and she got a full scholarship and she had three universities in england kind of 
You know, she's Zimbabwe and saying, but can we give you a scholarship? But we've got this, but we've got that. And, and she, you know, she got there and, and, and she was one of my, one of my students still is basically. And, and, um, and she said, but if I'd had you since I left school, you know, I'd have got there, you know, three years f faster. Right. Yeah, she was going to get there. Of course she was. She was a bright young woman and, you know, um, motivated and everything else. But the more, you know, we all need help and a helping hand goes a long way. It does. It does. And I, Dr. Greg Rasmussen, I, you've captivated me for over an hour. I, I can't thank you enough. I know you're busy and you're doing so much for the painted dogs and we're going to do what we can. I, I'm, in all honesty, we've covered, I think, nearly 80 species now since we started this podcast. Painted dogs have surprised me the most. Maybe honey badger too, but painted dogs. Uh, honey badgers, yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're pretty amazing. You know, don't mess with me. I'm a honey badger. <laughs> there, there's something else. Isn't it? Oh, my goodness. They, they, I crack up. Yeah, yeah they're Cracks. brilliant. Oh, but thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us and our listeners. And we will definitely be pushing the Painted Dog uh, Research Trust and uh, get ready for those applications to start coming in. <laughs> yeah, and and and, uh, and I'll and then by return, you know, we're we're trying to we're going to start putting an appeal out for road sign money for these for these painted dogs on the on the highway. And I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll feed you the link when I get an opportunity. Please. Please, please. Yes, we definitely will be pushing that too. You know, I mean, I'm personally going to make a donation the second I see that. So uh, we'll definitely be pushing that with our listeners. Lovely. All right. And it's a, it's a one-off focus so cause. All right, Chris, pleasure. And listeners, yeah. um, been great to share time with you. Thank you so much. <laughs>